0: Listen, uh, welcome to Church on the North Coast today. Uh, I understand um, there's a little bit of heartache in the room, but uh, I know, I know, there's heartache in the room. She doesn't even know what I'm talking about. But all of us Buckeye fans know we're a little sad this morning, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up on your feet. Come on, everybody, stand up on your feet. I want you to put a big smile on your face. Come on, put a big smile on your face and greet somebody this morning. Just greet them in the, in the love of the Lord. Come on, smile, just smile. You, the smiling is contagious. You got to lift spirits in this room. You're watching online. We welcome you here today. So glad you're here with us this morning at church on the North Coast. Good to see my my good friend Dennis Pilblad's here. Good to see you, man. <laughs> How are you? Awesome. Welcome, welcome this morning. Before we before we get started, I want to share this with you um, in regards to uh, what Pastor Lou was talking about. Uh, I spoke, you know, at the at the, uh, at the conference or at the at the conference at the uh, at the what, the 50th celebration uh, that we had. How many were here for that? You were here for that? Awesome! Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, we learned that we should probably have more events so people could get dressed up. Right? That's what we learned from that. People love to get dressed up, and so uh, maybe we'll do a new, new Year's Eve something or or, or other so we, we can all get dressed up and be together. Um, what we did was we cast a vision. So we, we, we kind of reviewed where, we, where you know, we came from and all of the faithfulness of God. I mean, you look around the room and you, and, you, know, you see generations. You look on, this, on the platform today, there were generations of Cordy's up there. You know what I mean? <laughs> generations. There's a whole, the tribe of Cordy is up there. You know what I mean? And it continues. And, and what we want to ensure is that in the future, in the next 50 years, if the Lord tarries, if the Lord tarries, we want to secure the future for the next 50 years. And so I'm going to ask you to do something. Uh, perhaps we can put them uh, on the way out this morning. I'm, I'm going to give this opportunity throughout the month of December. But uh, uh, as you'll see at the back, there's a there's a pledge card back there. It's a 50th anniversary Pledge card. And what, I, what I'm going to ask you to do is pray about how you might sow financially into the future of what's sitting on the front row here today. Because if we don't secure the future financially, we'll lose it. There'll be a chalkboard somewhere. Well, I don't know if it'll be a chalkboard, but it'll be a whiteboard. It'll be a whiteboard somewhere where we'll leave a message on it. And one of, the, one of the greatest visions we have is to create uh, Adonai University, which is a college, a two-year college program that we want to create to where our students, when they graduate high school, they go directly into Adonai University they, they don't go to a university in the world and get contaminated, indoctrinated. They, they, they receive discipleship through the local body and they go and they live in a dorm together. They get the university experience without the contamination, amen? That's the goal. That's what we wanna do for Adonai University. We wanna buy a dorm. We want, if you got houses and you, you, you don't, you know, I got this house. I don't know what to do with it. Here, you can have it. Give us your houses, you know what I mean? Like, somebody, come on. Hey, I, I spoke to Roger the other day. He said, I got four of them. I said, well, hey, man, give me one. You know what I mean? Like, well, here's the, here's the idea, is to, to create financial freedom for their future. So they can go, they can live there, they can get a part-time job, they can, go to, they can go to school online, they can go to the local university, but when they receive prophetic words, impartations of the Holy Spirit, they get them here. They get them from the elders of the house. They get them from the pastoral team. They get them directly from God. God knows their future, and God is the one who needs to speak into their future. Not some stranger at a university. Not some indoctrinating, you know, corrupt, you know, individual at a university that has an agenda that wants to, you know, make them look like the world and produce, you know, these, you know, the world wants to make you consumers. They just want us to be consumers, and, and that's not what God's created us to be. He's created us to be creators in his image and in his likeness. He's created us to bara, and so I'm going to ask you today. Bara means to create, and what I'm going to ask you to do is help us. Pledge for the future. Pray about it, but on the way out, grab one of these pledge cards, and if you would, just pray about, you know, how can I support the vision uh, of what God's speaking to this region. God's speaking to this region. If we'll listen, God's, he, and, he, and he's telling a good story. I want you to know that. God tells good stories. He, you know, he started in Joel 2, he said in the last days. You remember that? What did he say? In the last days, what's he gonna do? He's gonna pour out his spirit. You know, all the doom and gloom on television. They just want to tell a terrible story. They want they want to scare you. They want they want to indoctrinate you with fear so they can control you. But that's not the story that God tells. God tells the story of the end of the end. He starts in Joel thousands of years ago, and then he brings it back up in Acts in the early church. And he says, In the last days, here's what's gonna happen. I want you to know it's it might be it might be scary for some, but not for the church church for the church of the living God it's an exciting time to be alive he says in the last days I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all flesh everybody big tall skinny short you know black white yellow it just doesn't matter I'm gonna pour out my spirit on everybody he's gonna pour it on the sinner and the saint equally he says I give no I give it I give it out you know in in, in generous proportion he said and then then I'm gonna cause your sons and daughters they're gonna repeat the story of the gospel they're going to prophesy the goodness of the lord to their generation and then your young men they're going to start to see things that are that they shouldn't be seeing. They're going to see visions. They're going to see. They're going to see things that only heaven can show them. They're going to get a glimpse into the to the future of eternity. And then, and what that's going to do is it's going to uh, reawaken the dreams of those who have lost their dreams from old. He said, "I'll make your old men. They're going to dream again. If you've got to dream again, that's me. That means you lost your dream and you stopped dreaming. But God wants you to dream again. And I'm asking you to partner with us for the next fifty years. As if the Lord tears. Listen, what we need is a church that does not decrease in the anointing but increases in the anointing. We, know, we need our children to walk more powerfully and, and confidently in the presence of the Lord than we ever did. We need them to prophesy pro- prophetic words more powerfully under the presence of the Lord than we ever did. So please, please, you're watching online. Here, what I'm asking you to do is pledge. Pledge to the next 50 years. And over the next three weeks, we're going to receive these back. And we're going to hopefully, you know what? prayerfully we're going to buy us a house we're going to buy us a house for our students and we're going to provide a place for them to be built up in the strength of the Lord amen amen thank you so much amen give the Lord a great big hand
1: good morning and good morning and I did know about the game but it's okay because we brought Jesus joy and if you were here on Wednesday, I did not do the, the, the scary psycho laugh. Don't do it. So I'm not going to do it. I asked him on the front row, do you think I should do it? Because he said it seems so gloomy in here. It's frightening. And I said, should I do it? But I did not do it. But I did do it on Thanksgiving, and I forgot to have it recorded. But I'm telling <laughs> you, every single person in the room, like so we were in like part of the room and then around the corner of the room at, at Louie and Rachel's. And so it went like, you know, anyway, we had a, we had a lot, lot of people. So we had like three tables. And so I, Adrian told a joke. So then I started to do my obnoxiously loud laugh. And there, at first everybody's like, is she okay? Like what's wrong with her? <laughs> and striking. then everybody started cracking up. Every person in the room was cracking up. So... <laughs> Bring the Jesus joy, right? That's not what we're talking about, but you have to bring Jesus joy everywhere you go, no matter what. Bring it. Um, But today we are talking about you can do that. You can do that with consecration and being set apart. And the text is from Judges 13, 5. And this is the amplified version that I have. But For behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son. No razor shall come upon his head. For the boy shall be a Nazarite dedicated to God from birth, and he shall begin to rescue Israel from the hands of the Philistines. See, Samson, before he was even born, he was divinely ordained to take this vow. Usually people take the vow of a Nazarite, but Samson is different in this case. He was divinely ordained before even his birth, to be a Nazarite, to to live holy and set apart before God. He wasn't allowed to cut his hair. He wasn't allowed to drink alcohol. He was not allowed to touch any unclean thing. And so he had to live consecrated, set apart, and governed by God's laws, governed by God's rules, not by the world, not by the systems of the world, but by the word of God, only governed by that. And so he had to follow a certain um, vow. He had to follow something. And To do that, and able to do that, he was able to be strong. And so God gave him strength. God gave him, he made him so strong that he killed a lion with his bare hands. Literally ripped a lion apart with his bare hands. Now, I'm so glad you guys are sitting on the front row, because you might have to help me this morning, okay? And, because you guys know this. As soon as I tell you this, you're going to know. And if you've been to a basketball game, a football game, um, probably more of like indoor sports, you, you'll you hear, or that's outdoor football, I know that, don't judge me, but you'll hear um, the student section cheering and chanting very, very loudly, very loudly. So when Jeremiah was in high school, like it was really entertaining to watch them. They had like moves they all did together, they did this roller coaster thing, and it was like super cool. And so what they'll do is they kind of, you know, harass each other. they go back and forth from one, team to the one side to the other, you know, the opponents. And when, they're, when they make a mistake or they, they get a foul or like a flag on the play, then they're like, they say, you can't do that, right? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? You ever heard them do that? But you Can hear- you guys help me? Stand up. Front row. Stand up. Uh-oh. Right here. Come on. You guys stand up. You know. Thank you. There we go. You. Oh, the dads. The the dads dads in the house. No. Yes, the The dads got it. (laughs) You guys know you get more hype than that at the games. So they make fun of them. They're like, oh, you fouled or you missed something. And they make fun of them. They're mocking them. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't act like that. You can't. You just got a foul. You failed. Go sit down, right? Well, one time I was, I was listening to Holy Spirit. Thank God I was listening to Holy Spirit. And he's like, Becca, you can't do that. <laughs> and I like literally heard it in my mind. You can't do that. Because you know what? If I want to walk consecrated and set apart before God, I can't do that. If I want strength that can only come from living before God in a consecrated, set apart way, I can't do certain things. I can't live that way. And so there's two ways of looking at it, and we'll get to that. But when we follow the inst- in direct instructions from God, like verse 5 says, then deliverance can begin. Then you can do this. Then you can kill the lion with your bare hands because you have the strength from God. You have the strength from the Lord. But if you follow God's instructions, you bring Jesus with you. You bring deliverance to other people. When you're walking in, um, in the vows that God has commanded you to walk in, that He is governing our life. He is governing my life. And then we can bring deliverance.
0: So, so what we can take away from the story of Samson is that power and manifested presence is not found in participation but consecration. Now ask yourself this. What measure of power do you possess? Because the the, the story of Samson, which is a sad one? Because he loses it. He loses it because he loses focus. And the question is this. What measure of manifested presence do you possess? Ask yourself... What measure of manifested presence? Because that's what Samson had. To be consecrated, to, to, receive, to, to be a Nazarite. The word Nazarite means Nazir. means consecrated. Consecrated means set apart. When I, when I first uh, laid eyes on my wife, she wasn't where the majority of the young ladies were her age. She was set apart. She was, she was consecrated. And as a groom, as, a, as the groom, I was looking for a bride that didn't look like the world. I was looking for something that looked like heaven. I didn't want my bride to be looking like Everyone else does. When I found her, she looked like heaven. She was consecrated. She was set apart. She has this. My wife has this uh, piece of luggage. She has this piece of luggage. It's uh, it's tropical. It it has it. I believe it's pink. It's got pineapples on it. It's big it's colorful and when we go somewhere she puts all of our it's so big that you could fit a truck in it you could fit literally tj i could put you in this suitcase (laughs) you could stand up upright in this suitcase tj and i could just drag you. you know just take you but here's what happens when we land where we're going everybody's looking for their luggage. Now, in a sea of luggage that looks black, you know, a lot of black luggage out there. There's a lot of blue luggage out there. There's a lot of green luggage. There's a lot of gray luggage. You know, you got hard shell. You got soft. You got, there's a lot, you know, and some people, you know what some people will do? They'll take a black piece of luggage and they'll put neon tape on the handle. And so when we get there, so all the people when we get there, you know you've been there. You, it's, it's astounding to me what happens at those places. Let's just examine what happens. So the next time we all get there, we don't do this, all right? Listen, when you get to the airport and you go to baggage claim what you don't do listen to me young people what you don't do is this you don't walk all the way up to the carousel there is no need to be here no no there's no need to be here because what we can do what we should do is stand back a little bit you know maybe wait for our bag to come by and then we can step forward but you know what everybody does everybody runs to the carousel and they and they wait for the light to come on ah, 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 and then and then the luggage starts coming and then they're doing this they're looking down and they're like is that my luggage is that my luggage so looking, and then, and then you hear the wives from about 20 yards back. Troy, There's a that's right there. Go get it. And then and then you and then the guy starts so it's not enough that he's right here. He has to excuse me. Pardon me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. And he and he's bumping people all the way and then he goes over and gets his luggage and says, excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. Listen, we don't need to be that close to the carousel. I said all oh, that to say this. If you if your luggage has a distinction about it, if your luggage is clearly identifiable by you, you don't have to look for it too hard. My luggage, there's not another one like it. I don't know where she found it but they must have been only like 20 in production. I've never seen one that big, that colorful, that obnoxious. When we get there, there's our luggage. Okay, I'm going to go get it. I want you to know, you are consecrated. You are set apart. There is a distinction about you that is identifiable from galaxies away. When God looks down from eternity, he sees you. But here's what you got to understand. You, you see, I want you to know Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for his bride. And what he's coming back for, you see, you want to make it as easy as possible when he gets here to identify that which belongs to him. You belong to Jesus. And what you need to do is set yourself apart from everybody else. See, the world wants you to look like black luggage and gray luggage and blue luggage. And maybe if you go to church, the world will say, the world will compromise with you and say, it's okay, go ahead and wrap a little pink duct tape around your hand. To separate you from everybody else. But that's not how you were made. You were made. You were made in the likeness, fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. There is a distinction about your life that sets you apart from everybody else. But what you must do, what you you must never do is compromise the consecration on your life. You need to understand that Jesus has set you apart. Jesus has put his hand on your life. Jesus has separated you. You unto him, like I looked at my bride and said, That one was saved for me. She belongs to me. She's not like everybody else. She's not found in the club. She's not found down there at the party house. She was found in the house of the Lord. Set apart. The distinction was about her life. When I looked over on the front row and she was worshiping, I said, ooh, there's not. Ooh, she's whoo, that is that looks like heaven to me. You know, she was set apart, and Jesus has set you apart. He sets you apart. And and the world knows this. You see, the world knows this. The world knows that he made you fearfully and wonderfully in his image. He knows that you're like a tropical pink piece of luggage that when, when they lay eyes on you, you don't look like them. You look different. You have a different spirit about you. The world knows that. But what the world will try to do, and the reason the world will try to do that is because they don't want the manifested presence on your life to be displayed. They, listen, the, the Philistines of our day do not want the manifested presence on your life to be, to be evident for them. They know, they know what we don't more clearly. The enemy knows that if you, if you set yourself apart, if you'll stop participating, if you'll pull yourself back, from the masses, suddenly your colors, your true colors will show. And there'll be a manifested presence and strength that will reside on your life. That when, when the time comes, you'll be able to walk up to the city gates and yank them out. And you'll be able to forcefully just walk with the power and the manifested presence of the kingdom on your life. But it doesn't happen if you just simply allow yourself to be a black piece of luggage with a pink handle. You're set apart. So, you know, you're separate. You don't look like them. Don't allow them to convince you otherwise. So power is not. Presence is not in participation. Presence is in separation. You want the presence of God in your marriage? Separate. You want the presence of God on your life at work? Separate. You want the presence of God on your life that gives you the blessing and the favor of God? Pull back. If you see everybody going that way, you should take a time out and say, wait a minute. This This is what startled me about the last three years in the church. Is that they did not have the discernment to understand what was happening. And instead of taking a time out, pull back, just kind of like, let's just ask the Spirit of God what He's doing. Instead of doing that, we all just kind of followed in rank and file and just did what the world did. But I want you to know the church, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And he's not coming back for he, you know, He's not coming back for, for black luggage and gray luggage. He's coming back for who he made you to be. Exactly who he made you to be. And he made you to be separate, set apart. Now, it's interesting about the vow. The vow, the the Nazarite vow. Some, some were given, it was given to them at birth. Right? There's a couple figures in the Bible you can go to. Maybe three. Joseph's a little, I'm I'm not sure on Joseph yet. But Samson is one. Right? Samuel is another one. Now, I just want you to consider for a moment the, the measure of power that rests on Samson's life and the measure of power and the measure of manifested presence that rested on Samuel's life. It was said of Samuel that when he spoke a word, it never fell to the ground empty. That every word that, that Samuel spoke it, it lifted. So shall my word be, as I release it. It shall not return to me void. So every every prayer of of Sam, Samuel was answered by God. And then there's this Joseph figure. There's this Joseph figure. I mean, we don't know, but there's a blessing given to him by his father. There was this blessing that that he received from his father, and and, and it almost makes it. It gives you the impression that that in some manner he might have he might have gotten it at birth, but in in another he might have. You know, like chose it. He might have chose it. You know what? Maybe, maybe his father suggested it, and then he said, "Yeah, that's what I want." But you know, you know, Joseph had a uh, he had a coat of many colors. What did the coat of many colors do? Set him apart. You are clearly, I want you to know that when you gave your life to Jesus, he gave you a coat. It sets you apart. There's a coat of righteousness on your life that sets you apart. Now, now, you know, you, you say, well, why can't I? Well, you can. You can do that. I want you to know you can rip the, the gates of the city up by its by its foundation. I want you to know you can grab a line and tear it to pieces. You have that strength. But if you want that strength, it's conditional. It's conditional upon consecration. It's by set. It's Are you set upon? part but you 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 can you can however do the thing that that is appealing to your flesh you can I want you to know if you want, you can, you can take the broad road and still go to heaven. Some preachers might disagree with me, but I want you to know that grace is amazing. I want you to know that, you know, the, the broad way, I mean, that, you know, the, the power of the blood is so strong. I, I just want you to know it's, it's powerful. Now, you might be able to get to heaven, but I don't know how much uh, of heaven you'll be able to bring to the earth. So you can participate. You can, you can go ahead and participate if you want. If you want. But if you want his presence, if you want the evidence of heaven to be on your life and on your words and on your actions, then you can't do that. You can if you don't want it. If you want it, you can't. Then there were these others who took the vow. Who took it? Like, Like Paul. Remember when Paul... He said, we've taken a vow. And then, and then David, remember when he came to the house and, and the, the priest said, uh, have you touched any unclean thing? He said, no, no, we took a vow. We chose it. So there are seasons in your life that you're going to have to choose consecration. There, there are some of us who don't get a choice. Ah, shan de a, There are some in this room. I want you to know most of you don't get a choice. I want you to know if you're on that platform, you don't have a choice. I want you to know if you're at this altar ministering, it ain't your choice. I want you to know the hand of God is on your life and you are separated and consecrated. You are set apart for him. The the anointing on your life, the demand of the anointing on your life, it commands that you do not participate, but you, you consecrate. Now, there are others of us who say, you know what, like, that's not me. I get it, but just listen to me. There's going to be a point in your life where you're you're going to need the manifested presence. You're going to need the power of heaven. There's going to be things that are going to happen in your life where you're going to go into a season. You're going to say, I need to consecrate myself. I need to separate myself from the masses. I need to make a clear distinction between the holy and the unholy. Why? Because I need the presence of God for what I'm about to go through. I need the power of God for what I'm about to go through if you're a father you need the presence of god for what you're doing today if you're a mother you need the presence of god to raise your children if you you some seasons of your life will demand more than others so sometimes you're going to have to choose it but there's some in here that no 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 victoria you were chosen from a long time ago from the moment you were born bev i don't know where she went but she was chosen She was chosen. I mean, you know, you know, you look and think about your children. You know, I think about my children, Elder Jack. I think about my children. I go, no, they don't have a choice. They may resist it, but I want you to know you don't have a choice. And probably all of the hell they're going through is as a result of resisting the vile that God's placed on their life. I want you to know it's easier to just surrender and walk in the preordained steps of the Lord than it is to try to kick against the goads in life. Paul tried to do it, but God said, no, I've set you apart. I've commissioned you. I've anointed you to preach the gospel. And Paul eventually got to the place where he said, woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. And I want you to know your, God will bring you to a place in your life where you will say, woe unto me if I don't do what God told me to do. If I don't do and, I, and anoint and, and I walk in the pre- Or doing stuff God will get you to a place where you will fall down and you will say whoa unto me I should have just surrendered earlier in life I should have just let him have it earlier in life I've spent all the strength of my life fighting against God and what I knew God wanted me to do and I want you to know today stop stop fighting against him today just surrender to it it ain't worth it you know why because the call of God is so much sweeter than the call of the world, I want you to know the call of God on your life is so much more fulfilling. I mean, there was a day when I walked in the in the, in the broadway and in, in the path of destruction, and and I thought I was satisfying, but I found at the end of that road nothing satisfied. And then one day, I one day I laid down on this halter and gave it all the way to God. And from that day to this, I tell you what it, nothing's been sweeter in my life than the call of god then when god calls your name and said i've set you apart you are not like the luggage of this world you are set apart from me and when i get back troy i want to be able to see you from 70 billion light miles away i want to be able to recognize that which belongs to me and i want you to know you belong to jesus amen sorry I took so long
1: that's why they gave me this door Huh? I said, yes, I want the stool. So okay. i can take yeah, it back. Was, <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It I told good. her she could use the stool. I was for you. It was yeah. good.
0: Okay, good. Thanks. So you.
1: I love, like, I think you say the saying: We can't play not to lose. We have to play to, win. play to win. So there's two different ways that you play. You go into a game. They go into a game and they play a little bit timid. And I'm going to play not to lose. We can't play with that mentality. We have to go in and play to win. And consecration of community and preparing yourself matters. In Judges 13, 13 through 14, it says, The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, The woman must pay attention to everything that I said to her. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor drink wine, or any other intoxicating drink, nor eat anything ceremonially unclean. She shall observe everything that I have commanded her. And I want you to pay attention here, because he came, the angel of the Lord then, came to Manoah, her husband. And see, this wasn't just, it was preparing her. She had to prepare herself before the Lord. Before she was even able to conceive this, she had to prepare herself. But he was also, the Lord was also letting her husband know, you have to help her be accountable to this. See, church, we need each other. We need this community of faith. We need, you need me to be strong, I need you to be strong. You can't be out here playing not to lose, and I'm playing to win, and we're weak. Yeah, You can't do that if we want to do this. If we want to see our families saved, and when we want to see um, deliverance, and we want to bring Jesus, we want to bring deliverance wherever we go, we can't live like that. And so Manoah had instructions to support and help his wife do exactly what god had called her to do so a community of faith we have to prepare ourselves as well others are watching us they need our example to defeat the enemy for them our children your friends your neighbors your co-workers your family your children they need you to defeat the enemy for them so that they have something in their life that will help them get through it so i want you to ask yourself god what areas of my life are not pure and only you can answer that. I can't answer that for you. You have to answer it and allow Holy Spirit to show you. What areas of my life are not pure before you? What areas of my life have I not set apart before you? Have I not given to you? Have I not laid down to you? My words, is it my words? Like what, where he spoke to me in that moment. Becca, you can't do that. I heard it like a chant in the, in, the, in, the, um, in the stands. You can't do that. Don't do that. You can't do that and then walk in this. You can't have my power and, and sit around and gossip. You can't do that. You're set apart. You're leading others into the wrong way. We have to help each other as a community of faith. You can't serve your own gods. You can't do what you want if you want to have that power where you are bringing deliverance You're literally bringing deliverance and bringing Jesus everywhere you go. You can't do that. Others need us to bring Jesus. They need us to bring that Jesus into the circumstances of their life where they're hurting, where they're broken. We've got to prepare ourselves as a community of faith where we are helping Jesus come into the room and his presence come and fill every area. Of our life, but you have to ask Holy Spirit to show you what areas are not set apart and consecrated for Him.
0: Jesus was so committed to the call of God on Samson's life that He revealed Himself before time, before His set time. I want you to see it. It's found. It's found in uh, Judges thirteen, verse eleven. We'll start there. Manoah got up and followed his wife, and he came to the man, and he said, "Are you the Man. Now, immediately, uh, I don't, yes, it is. See, that word man there is capitalized. That word there means the Lord. Are you the angel of the Lord? Jesus steps out of his time. He wasn't supposed to be revealed yet. Jesus steps out of his time and into Samson's time, and he reveals himself to Samson's, uh, to, to Manoah's wife. And Manoah hears it, he goes back, and he says, he says where is he? She says, he's over there. He's, he's, he, this is what he told me. And the angel of the Lord, the man, Jesus, walks over, and they have a conversation. They have a conversation, and this is what the conversation is. So Manoah asked him, when your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work? Jesus is so committed to the call of God on Samson's life that he reveals himself within time before his set time. He's so, I want you to know that Jesus is so committed to the call of God on your life that he will do whatever it takes to bring that call to pass, to keep you set apart. I want you to know there's no place you're going to be able to go to hide from it. There's no, there's no thing you're going to do that's going to suppress it. There's no drug you can take that's going to replace it. There's no, there's no relationship you could ever have that's ever going to be as euphoric as it. And Jesus is so committed to it that he comes to Samson. He comes to uh, uh, Manoah's wife and then Manoah. And he says, he says, well, and then Manoah has the wherewithal to ask him, well, what it, okay, all right, I, I get it. So, what then is supposed to be the behavior that governs his life? When your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work? Ask yourself, what is the rule? That governs your life. What, what, what is the rule that governs your life, that keeps you separate? Jesus said this to the New Testament believers. He said this. He said, the call of God is so powerful on your life that even greater power you possess. Jesus was so committed to, to the manifested presence uh, uh, on Samson's life, he's even more committed to the manifested presence on your life. But that manifested presence, focus here. Look at me. That manifested presence is conditional to your separation. You have a measure of his presence that's, that's promised to you. There, there's there's presence. The presence of heaven is promised to you, but it is conditional. I want you to see it. it grace don't cover it. Grace gets you to heaven, but grace Grace won't, won't give you the presence of Jesus on your life that, that time demands. And, 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 like, I want you to see this. like Time is a gift to you from God. You only got so many of them, you know, to, days to live. There's only so many sunsets you're going to see. That, but it is a gift to you. I want that to be clear. You are not a gift to time. Time is God's gift to you. And he puts you in it and he said, "Listen, we got a call of God to get too fast. We can't be wasting our time. There you only got so much of it. I live outside of it." God said, "But you you live inside of it. So you got to make sure you take advantage of the time given to you by the Lord. The window of God is closing and you've got to realize that you only have so much time on your hand to to work out the promises of God and the call of God on your life. And you can't can't waste it participating in things that rob his presence and things that steal his power. Now ask yourself, where in your life are you wasting time on things that steal his presence and rob his power? Ah, oh, there's a cold shiver. Paul said this. He said, all things, all things are lawful, but not all things edify. You can get away with it, Paul said, but it'll steal your power in his presence. And because of that, church, let us push in to his presence, our call. This is a high call of God on your life. It's not not like your brothers and your sisters. There's a high call of God on your life. It sets you apart. You're a firebrand plucked from the fire for this moment right here. The gift of time. God God gave you the gift of time. And he said, "Now, now, when you're in it, make sure you maximize it. Make sure you maximize and take advantage of every moment of it. Put me in every moment. Put me in every difficult circumstance. Put me in every plague and disease. Put me in everything that's that's full of contention and division. Just put me in it. I heard somebody say this last week. He said you got to walk around with a pocket full of flour. And he made reference to the story in 2 Kings where the, where the man of God said, take the flour and put it in the pot. And you got to walk around with a pocket full of flour as a believer, the pocket full of the presence of the Lord in your life because you only have so many sunsets. you got to maximize them.
1: So Samson finds himself with strength, with power. He kills thousands and thousands with the jawbone of a donkey. He gets to, to do some, some things to the Philistines throughout his life, but he, he has a little bit of cockiness to him, and he makes up riddles, and he's kind of taunting them, and I feel like Maybe even just teasing a little bit, playing with the devil a little bit in his own way, and just, just taunting and, um, you know, mocking and making fun. And here he, he finds himself um, a Philistine woman, the second Philistine woman that he finds himself, in Judges 16.20. She says, she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as I have time after time and shake myself free. See, this was the third time she went and she tried to get him. If you love me, if you love me, you're going to tell me your um, your secret. Tell me your secret if you love me. Because she was getting paid for this. And the fact that he didn't he didn't really even, I mean, I don't know if he knew it and he just didn't care or what. Like, he was... Kind of not very smart, so he he gave in to her
0: or say so he was strong, not smart. he
1: was strong, yes, he was strong, not smart he he kept telling her all these you know lies just to to tell her, and then finally and they tried to tie him up, so he knew that she was trying to sell him out I mean she had to have known that, and so finally, by the third time, she gets him to tell her the truth, tell the truth about his about his vow and that he can't cut his hair and so It says, he finally told his vow. It says, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as I have time after time and shake myself free. For Samson did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Now that part right there, Mm -hmm. if that doesn't grab your heart and knock the breath out of you, then you got to wake up. (laughs) Are we even aware that God's presence is in our life or isn't in our life. That is the saddest part to me, that Samson wasn't even aware that God's presence had departed from him, that it was gone. Where did he stop allowing God's presence in his life? Where did he stop? And this is a question that we need to ask ourselves: Am I do I live in a way? With an awareness of God's presence, with an awareness of eternity, does my life now here on earth? Am I consecrated? Am I set apart? Do I live and walk in a way that I have an awareness of eternity in my life? See, the Philistines finally got him, and they began. To, they began to mock him in Psalms. Or I'm sorry, in Judges sixteen twenty three, and it goes on to, through twenty eight. But they, they captured him, they plucked out his eyes, they shaved his, they shaved his head, and they put him in, in prison. And so at a, at a feast that they were having for their God, they brought Samson out to make fun of him. They brought him out, and they are like, ha, huh, let's put him right here in the middle. And it says that a boy led him. Mm. So just to degrade him, degrade him even more, where he was once able to kill thousands of men and rip apart a lion. With his hands, to degrade him even more, it said a boy led him in the middle of the room. And he asked him, he said, lead me over to those pillars. But you know what they didn't notice as they were mocking him and making fun of him? That his hair began to grow back.
0: That's God's grace.
1: God's goodness on his life. God's grace on his life. So you know what? I'm here to tell you that deliverance has come. Jesus came, and he took it all on the cross. He took it all on the cross. So when the enemy is over there mocking and making fun, you can't do that, you can't do that, and they're making fun, and he's making fun of you, you know what? Press into God's presence. Get your hands on those pillars. doesn't matter if you can see it or not. His eyes were gone. He knew that he was with God. He said, God, give me one more time. Give me one more time that I can defeat the enemy one more time. And he put his hands on those pillars, and his strength had come back, and the walls fell down and killed more than he had killed in his lifetime. God will destroy every work of the enemy. He came to heal the broken. He came to heal those places in your life and restore you and bring you back to him at the cross so that your latter years will be even greater. It will be even greater. Samson did even greater works for God's kingdom than he did in the beginning of his life. If you give it to him, you can do that.
0: So let's, let's close. Come on, let's stand to our feet as we close. The Nazarite vow, there's three practical things that the Nazarite vow encourages us to practice for presence and power. Presence and power. This is the Nazarite vow. And you know, like, don't trip over truth. You hear me? I, I could say that in a couple of different ways. Like, don't literally trip over truth, but man, stop tripping over truth. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's three things in the Nazarite vow. One was... You couldn't touch any alcoholic beverages, anything that, wine. You couldn't touch it. Secondly, you couldn't touch anything dead. And, and third, you, you couldn't cut your hair. So I'm going to give you practical, like, like, don't trip over truth, but here. You say, well, why? Why can't you drink? Why can't you touch anything? dead thing and why must you let your hair grow that's weird you got to be sober the call of god on your life requires that you be prepared alert and ready you can't have your mind confused confused you can't, you can't have any inebriation of the world that contaminates the presence and the power of God on your life. Your call, man, it, it's bigger. It's bigger than, than that thing. It's bigger than that temporary high. The high call of God is, is greater than the, high, than the low call of man. It's greater. Sobriety, like you gotta live sober, ready, prepared, alert for the enemy. It's prowling like an, a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Secondly, he says, you Don't you can't touch any dead thing? Why? Dead thing's a reference to sin. And sin, you gotta know. Look at me, you gotta know the sin in your life. It's contagious and, and the, 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 this thing was written back in the day when there was leprosy and there, was, there were plagues and so, so you couldn't if you touched a, a dead thing the chance of you being contaminated by the dead thing it spreads and then it spreads through a community and I, I, and I want us to understand and, and see the truth here that sin spreads through a nation It'll spread through a family. A little compromise here, a little compromise there, a little leaven in the loaf destroys the whole loaf. It's all contaminated. A little compromise in the community of faith, and the next thing you know, we're tolerating things pigs wouldn't. So you gotta like be, you gotta be aware, man. You gotta understand like your sin. It's not a trivial thing. The sin in our lives, and we all have it, like, listen, like, it's it's everyone's, everyone's got it. But what you can't do is allow it to spread. you got to stop touching it. You hear me? He said, don't touch that. You keep touching it. Lord, I pray conviction right now for things we keep touching when God said, stop touching it. Stop touching that stuff. Stop letting your words say those things. That, that's, that, that, stop touching that. It's not an innocent thing. Like, it's, it's deadly, man. It's scary. The wages of sin, death, the free gift of God's eternal life. But you've got to choose. You've got to stop touching it, man. Because you touch it, you compromise presence. You compromise presence, you compromise the power of God on your life that you're going to need when the lion comes seeking whom he may devour. And he doesn't just want you, he wants, his, he wants your kids. He wants your marriage. He wants everything that's sacred to you. And he says, don't cut your hair. Now this one, you get in trouble in some churches for not cutting your hair. You know? You got to cut your hair, boy. You, know I mean? you got to cut them all. And isn't this the one? This is the one that. I mean, they all got Samson, but this one, this is the one that broke him. Because his hair, well, it spoke of his faith and his growth, his covering. Spoke of his covering. You got to stop cutting yourself off from growth got to keep growing you can't disconnect and cut yourself off from people that really just want to see you win but won't let you do that there's some people you know but you know like no time ever in, in in the history of man do we rebel against authority and and i'm saying you know like submitted authority to the lord but you got to stop cutting yourself off when, when like offense comes. You got to stop cutting yourself off in faith when like hard times come and pressing issues happen in life. We've got to stop cutting. We got to grow in the power of the Lord. We've got to grow in the strength of God. We've got to allow the faith that that that, that covering of God. We've gotta co- we got to be. We got to cover one another. Love covers a multitude of sin. You got to stay in faith when it hurts. You got to stay in faith when it seems impossible. You got to stay in faith because when you stay in faith you grow you gotta keep growing in faith you're here today you're here today maybe like me so many times you compromise yeah you you just you're like man I'm tired today I don't wanna do it And you, you make mistakes, and, and then the next thing you know, you're getting led around by a little boy. getting made fun of by the enemy. If you've made that mistake, I want you to know, man, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus will make your hair grow again. He'll, 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 he's like that, 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 that commercial where you put the stuff on your hair, guys, and he makes it grow back. He'll make it grow back. He'll he'll give you back His presence. He'll give you back His power. (laughs) He'll give you back His presence, and He'll give you back His power. It's just a matter of taking a vow of consecration. So today with me, every head bowed, every eye closed, let's make this consecration together. Come on, let's declare in this room together as the church of the living God that we are the bride of Christ, set apart for him, for our bridegroom, Jesus. We're not like all the luggage of this world. God, you've set us apart. You've made us distinct. We have a separate. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We don't look like everybody else. We're not supposed to. There's a call of God on our life today. God, make us aware of the presence in our life and the power that's that's prevalent on our life today. We take a vow of consecration together today. Set us apart now, God. Set us apart for you, God. We say, I don't want to be used by them or for them. I want to be ready for you. I want my life to be for you and you alone, God. Come on, make that vow right there where you are. God, I want my life to be yours. Set me apart, God. Use me. Take me. Destroy the works of the enemy. I take my hands now. And I put them on the pillars of this world. And I say, God, one more time, you're the God of another time. you got another time for our kids. you got another time for our marriages. You're the God of one more time, one more time, God. I declare over everyone listening, everyone here today, that your one more time is going to be so powerful in the Lord. It's going to be so strong in the power of the Lord. And his mighty power is going to deliver many in his name, bring glory to his name. Your one more time. You're not out of time. God's got another time left for you. I bless you today and I declare you are set apart, consecrated, holy. You belong to him. None other. His, ha- his hand is on your life. His image is branded on the inside of you. You bear his image and his likeness. You look like him. You talk like him. You walk like him. You think like him. You are set apart. You're in this room. You're watching online. You've never given your cri- your life to Christ. Pray this prayer with me. All of the, the saints in the room are praying right now. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I repent. Make me brand new. Take this life. Use it for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Altar ministers are going to come to the front. Thank you so much for being a part today. Did we do our first-time guests today? Did we welcome our first-time guests? If you're a first-time guest, raise your hand in the room. First-time guests, first-time guests back there. Come on, first-time guests, one right, right there. Come on, welcome all of our first-time guests. One right there. First-time guests, come on, give it up for our first-time guests. If you're watching online. Let us know you're a first-time guest. We bless you. We got a little gift for you. Keep your hand up. We want to bless you today. Listen, love right, live, live right. You got to love right too. You got. You can't be loving wrong. Got to love right. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. Thank you for being a part of our service today. We love you. We bless you.